Safer Network. I'm Biggs. I'm Brandon. I'm Carl. So let's just start off with the news right away. I wanted to talk about some shows that are coming down the pike. HBO Max has got a new Batman show coming out, which is going to be produced by Bruce Tim, J.J. Abrams, and Matt Reeves. So I assume if it's Bruce Tim doing it, it's going to be in somewhat of the older style of like Batman, the animated series, and the older Superman show from the 90s and things like that. And they put out a quote that said, we are beyond excited to be working together to bring this character back to tell engrossing new stories in Gotham City. The series will be thrilling, cinematic, and evocative of Batman's noir roots while diving deeper into the psychology of these iconic characters. We cannot wait to share this new world. The thing that makes me laugh, they're going back to their noir roots. There's some version of this every time a Batman thing drops. They're always like, we're going to go back to his detective route over and over again. And it never happens. Not really, no. And Matt Reeves even said that with The Batman, and he's attached to this, so I don't know, maybe he'll be the first, but <laughs> history dictates he will not be. <sighs> Nobody will be the first. Is he a detective at his roots? He's kind of not anything like his actual roots anymore because those were all terrible ideas until Bill Finger got a hold of the character. Yeah. I mean, it started out, he was basically a detective in a bat costume that <laughs> shot people to death. And then at some point, they changed it. So <laughs> I think I saw an image and it looks like he has the longer ears on the mask. I which saw that as well. Does that coincide a bit with the robot? Bat and Bat. Maybe Batman. It, Doesn't that guy have the Battinson? Yeah, Batten Robat. Doesn't he have uh, longer ears in his costume? I don't know who that is. Robert Pattinson. The new oh. Batman live okay. action movie. That's I'm just going to cop to it. I've told people this and they always look at me like I'm crazy, but this is true. I have not watched one thing about that. I don't care when it drops. I'll watch it, but I haven't watched the trailer. I haven't watched a little bit of anything. Everything DC's put out, I have not looked at any of it. This is probably the most work I've done on that front in <laughs> like two years. So you're just, if it doesn't have Jared Leto Joker, you're just not interested. I'm interested in that. I'm horrified every time they go back to that well but yeah i'm not gonna watch it like that nightfall clip came out i didn't watch it not till i had to watch the four-hour movie which was a prison of my own making i will admit (laughs) i hope it's good good luck more batman yay we're all rooting for you (laughs) and then cartoon network is creating four short-length series that will air on unnamed digital platforms sometime around 2021 to 2022 the way that i read that is it would be a HBO Max, but the fact that they didn't say HBO Max means they might have a contract with somebody or it might just be like web shorts. It also could be that the source is international and every country you go to, the channels are all different because the licensing rights. So you'll see like Falcon Winter Soldiers on Disney Plus here, but in like Germany, it's on heard some streaming service we've never even heard of. 
That is a very valid point. So that could be the case. So it's supposed to have eight to ten episodes on all of these. So the first one is Your Pretty Face is Going to Hell. I guess they're doing a fifth season of that in these shorts. I have never even heard of that. Oh, I remember that. It's a live action, weird one. Something to do with demons. Yeah, Yeah, I always always see I never uh, really watched it, but I I think I may have tried one episode. Is that the one where it's kind of like an office? I think so, yeah. I think I've seen a little bit of an episode. Yeah. Yeah. I've just seen like the thumbnails I'm scrolling through Hulu that's all I know what about. else Aqua Dunk side pieces is a spinoff of Aqua Teen Hunger Force that will follow <laughs> the Moonites the Plutonians MCP Pants the Frat Aliens Happy Time Harry Hand Bandana and the Cybernetic Ghost of Christmas Past dude I'm in so for that dude <laughs> it's the Legion of Doom from the Aqua Teen Universe thousands <laughs> of years ago when the Turkey Rebellion came well, I'm a big fan of that robot the way that I read it it sounds like <laughs> Each one of those characters is an episode, essentially. Well, you know, I will say there's a couple of episodes of Aqua Teen Hunger Force that feature them all combined as like an evil team. And those are some of the most memorable best <laughs> episodes good. of the series. So an entire series that's just that is exciting. Very okay. exciting. <laughs> The third one is Alabama Jackson, which is a time-traveling character from Robot Chicken. I don't know who this character is, but it sounds like it's a Robot Chicken joint. Okay. Okay. Uh, if it's by the same creators, then Seth Green and the other uh, guy, Matthew Seinrich. If it's by those two, then it probably will at least have uh, solid comedy beats and good average amount of jokes. And like a five-minute episode. <laughs> yeah, like uh, it's good that Robot Chicken is a short thing because it doesn't really hold out for the long haul. But in little bits and pieces, it can be pretty great. It might be that I've just slowed down my brain with pot over the last couple of decades. <laughs> But I can't keep up with a third of the jokes in Robot Chicken. Like, they'll have a joke and the sketch will be over. And I'm like, I didn't even get time to process what the fuck they just did. But those (laughs) two thirds that you did process are usually solid. Yes, they are. Absolutely. I just feel like they move a little too quick for me. And that's not to criticize because I watch kids play video games now and I can't even approach that anymore. My reaction time. (laughs) I'm thinking about this because I'm playing Spider-Man on PS4 right now. (laughs) And like... It's basically the same as the other Spider-Man games for like the last 15, 20 years, but I can't navigate it as well because my reactions are just slower. Adjust the control sensitivity. Yeah, no, that's not it. It's that like you're supposed to press L1 now and then I'm like a split second too late over and over again. Lower the difficulty. Who says you have to play it on on hard mode or even normal? I play lots of games on easy mode just because I want to experience the story of the game. Like I I haven't played that Disco Elysium on hard. It seems like it's a difficult game at easy mode. Why would you want to make it harder? Because <laughs> maybe there's different stuff. Yeah, probably. Maybe. Probably. Bastards. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they used to do that a lot in the old school. I remember Contra, Super Contra on Super Nintendo. If you didn't play it on hard, the whole final boss was only a partial fight. Interesting. Yeah. And if you played that game on easy mode, you wouldn't even get to play the final boss battle. You'd get to that point and the game would stop and a message would be like, Play on normal if you want to actually play to the end, you loser. Wow, that's really harsh. It was harsh. No, it was not like it made you feel bad about playing the game on easy mode. It was pretty lame. Bunch of bullies in that development team. 
I am handling Spider-Man okay. It's just I'm not as nimble as I feel like I should be in the game. That's all. That's fair. Okay, so the final show that's coming out on Cartoon Network is The Vindicators. This is a spinoff from <laughs> is that the, the Rick and Morty. Yes, from the episode The Vindicators really? Three: The Return of World wow. Ender. It's also done by Justin Roiland and Dan Harmon. So, so we'll have Britta will be in that show because she's one of the characters from that episode. That's all I can think of. There was like a ghost train. <laughs> guy yeah yeah and there was a million ants and that rick cool guy i'm not sure if rick is actually in this they didn't say anything it'll about be rick well it'll be in interesting it. to see if this takes place after the episode the events of the rick and it morty episode like or before, before. so like all before. of those characters because there's only be one there. character still alive at the end of that episode yeah and she's out for murderous revenge <laughs> so this is like a better call saul kind of thing yeah yeah a little bit <laughs> A parallel series. Or this is like the bean books of parallel to Ender's Game. Sure. <laughs> Didn't read those. I think I read Ender's Game when I was like six. So Ender's Shadow takes place at the exact same time as Ender's Game, but it follows a different character from the same book. So it's like uh, Ender's yeah. Game follows Ender. It's like a And cycle. Ender's Shadow follows Bean, who's like his second in command at the end of, by the end of the book. And yeah, it's like a sequel. It, it's actually in some ways better and more interesting. <laughs> So the last bit of news that I brought is that AT&T merged with Discovery. So that's going to add Animal Planet, Food Network, HDTV, the Travel Channel, and of course the Discovery Channel to it. And it's going to put David Zaslav in charge of all of their programming for HBO Max and Warners in general. Like he's going to be overseeing their entire entertainment division, which I believe is the fifth CEO they've had in like four years. And this is because AT&T wants to concentrate on working on their 5G network. But the reason why I bring this up is because all of those shows I just mentioned might not happen now because David Zasloff is most famous for doing reality shows. Yeah. He's only done reality shows. He's hammered to death <sighs> on reality shows. And he's also yeah. very famous for squeezing all of the hosts and all of the talent for every nickel that he can in negotiations. So that's kind of the guy you want overseeing like your DC arm. And your HBO Max Sounds arm. like a real piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, what I was saying is all this stuff was laid out. A lot of it sounds great. And then you realize, like, it might not even happen. And that's how Hollywood works. Yeah. They roll yeah. out something immediately right after he is transitioning into going into the position. Probably because they're like, we want to make sure that, like, this gets on the slate and happens. But it's not a guarantee that it'll happen. Right. Once you it just get... makes it marginally more difficult for him to can it. Yeah. It makes it like a PR thing, right? Yeah. So that's fun. So if you think DCEU is going to straighten it out now, ah, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> On a lighter note, we lost a beloved celebrity. Another one. Is that a lighter note? <laughs> no. Um, it's on a lesser note, but I don't know. It's a weird transition. We lost Beethoven dad, Charles Grodin. Probably our parents would know him as the funny guy from Midnight Run, directed by Elaine May. We would know him as like the dad from Beethoven, for sure. I know him best for the Heartbreak Kid. Heartbreak Kid. Which and that's also, also Elaine, Elaine May. May. Yeah. And I don't yeah. think Elaine May did Midnight Run. I think that was somebody else. Oh, maybe I was thinking of... Uh, Heartbreak Kid. Yeah. 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 Charles... Neither of those is where my go-to... It's the Lonely Guy. Steve Martin movie. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, Great Muppet Caper. <laughs> 
That's a Muppet movie. <laughs> I watched uh, his first appearance on Conan O'Brien. It was like very early on in Conan O'Brien's late night career. So it was the early 90s and Conan looked young as hell. Yeah. And it really captures his kind of deadpan, sarcastic humor that uh, made him so great. He was really great in that first season, at least for me being, I want to say, 14 when that happened. I remember just sneaking up to watch it all the time because it was like right in my wheelhouse of comedy. But I could see Grodin going on there and being great because Conan's so animated and Grodin is so like just deadpan. Yeah. And like low that like that's the perfect energy. Yeah, they complement each other really well. And uh, yeah, it was pretty solid. He had already been well established. I think he had a talk show around that time. Yeah. Actually, like he had like a, I want to say it was like CNBC. He had a late night talk show, I think. Maybe it was even CNN, but I think it was that one. And he would just bring in political guests and just talk. And it was like weird for me because I knew him from comedies that my dad would watch all the time. And I was just like, why is he doing this show? This is so bizarre. (laughs) (laughs) Quite a left turn. Anyways, he was in his 80s. And that's a fairly, I'd say that's a good run by any measure. Especially for Hollywood. Like he he came up in the 70s, dude. That's a real good run. Yeah, he's, (laughs) he, you know, he'll be missed. But, you know, he did what he came here to do, I suppose. Make Beethoven (laughs) 4. I don't know if he made it that far in, but... (laughs) This last week, Danny Trejo had a birthday. I actually don't know how old he is now. He's probably like 83. Um, <laughs> that dude is ancient. But he actually did a, uh interview talking about Runaway Train. Oh, nice. Which, uh, if you want to hear more about Runaway Train, you can... Listen to Soul Asylum. <laughs> Runaway Train heading down the track. Is that what you're talking about? No. The, I know. The John Voight movie. The John Voight movie. My first win in a long string in box office. <laughs> Office yeah, when we're doing box office battle, Brandon literally had a six-year losing streak on the show, and it was finally overturned by Runaway Train. <laughs> Yeah. Danny Trejo was actually on the set for Runaway Train as a drug counselor, like for the actors. That seems like a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the movie came out or was filmed in 85 and cocaine was everywhere. <laughs> so he was on set like to try and like reel that in a little bit. He was talking about like he'd go in production there'd be lines of coke on the table and he was a PA and uh solid people dressed up as inmates and stuff and so they asked him if he wanted to be in the movie he's like sure what do I gotta do they said well you're just gonna be an extra and he's like an extra what and he said uh can you act like a convict and he said yeah I'd been in every penitentiary in the state at that point either behind the bars or as a because he did a long string as a drug counselor they gave him a blue prison jumpsuit and so he's changing into it and they saw all his like he had that big chest tattoo and like uh we're just gonna have you not wear the shirt <laughs> <laughs> pretty soon the director is giving him a back rub and he's like oh god i should have known these hollywood types <laughs> for his role he got paid 320 dollars a day for that and he's like damn that was good money <laughs> like, yeah that's low for movies in the 80s but that's a pretty good salary when you're like a drug counselor yeah he's probably making that every other week in the 80s <laughs> so he's like yeah to act like a convict yeah like i can do this and and then that, so that like springboarded Danny Trejo's career. There's actually.
actually one other thing we should hit on with the news that I literally just thought about. Paul Mooney died. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I did see that, too. If we're going with some RIPs, he deserves one for sure. Co-writing uh, partners with Richard Pryor and a lot of good stuff on Chappelle's show. That's where I know him from. Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah. I knew him from Chappelle's show first and foremost. Then I found out he did that Richard Pryor show, of which I have seen a couple of episodes of it when I was younger. I, I certainly saw the two stand-up specials that Richard Pryor did that he wrote a bunch of bits on, like that Live at the Sunset strip. That's like a classic Richard Pryor stand-up special. It's one of the most famous stand-up specials, probably. It's one where Richard Pryor's running around. He's got that that red suit on, and he's talking about burning up his hair when he was smoking coke uh if you've ever seen that i don't know <laughs> and that's also the one where he talks about going to africa he had this whole bit in it and paul mooney had revealed at a certain point that richard Pryor only did this bit because he wanted to retire the n-word from his act because he was ve- very famous for saying it all the time mm-hmm. but he knew it made white people uncomfortable and he wanted to make more money at his stand-up so he just started cutting out the words so he came up with this very flowery way of talking about going to Africa and looking around and hmm. it's like a really good bit and to me it doesn't matter why he did it like it's a, just a really good moment in this special that's not even funny he's just saying this thing as if he's having an epiphany and it really resonates but Paul Mooney helped him write that Paul Mooney was a legend with stand-up comedians for sure and I did see one of his stand-up specials I think on Showtime his delivery and the way he goes after the audience it's like so uncomfortable and scary it's just like like just ask a black dude, right? Like when he did that sketch, he just has this demeanor about him that's very confrontational, but it's also hilarious. It's like watching this slow motion train wreck that ends with flowers and puppies. I don't know, <laughs> but I'll miss you, Paul Mooney. Yeah. So this week on the deep dive, deep dive, deep, deep dive, deep dive. So I wanted to talk about Jeepers Creepers, the first three movies. I just want to say up front, I've never seen a Jeepers Creepers movie. Yeah. And I have failed to finish a Jeepers Creepers movie. Which one? Uh, I think the first two. The first one, I I remember kids driving in a car and then they get terrorized by this big truck. And then. Yeah, it's kind of like an evil tomato. And then they truck. find a uh, like a silo that has bodies in it or something and that's as far as I got and then I think the second Jeepers Creepers has a bunch of high school kids on a school bus or something is that Jeepers Creepers 2 and there's like a Jeepers I saw the first one and the Jeepers Creepers monster is like pulling them off bus one by one or some shit I don't know yesterday I was flipping through YouTube before bed last night and one of the uh, YouTube channels I watched once in a while is uh the kill count so they like usually bad horror movies and like fine or actually not necessarily bad horror movies just just like how many people died in this movie and like you know the kill of the week like the best kill the worst kill and just kind of break down a movie and host of that put up a thing that we'll never cover on this show was jeepers creepers I was like, that's really odd because that is like totally something that this channel would go. So I 
was interested, so I clicked on it, and it's only a minute-long YouTube video. But he uh, basically said the director, Victor Salva, is an absolute piece of shit. He's a child molester, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, convicted child molester. He also did the Powder movie, didn't he? Yep, he yeah. did Powder. Oh, Yep. I, I was obsessed with when I saw the trailer for that movie as a kid when it came out I was obsessed with it I want to watch it so bad I even invited a girl to see it in the theater by putting a note in her locker and she found the note and she used it to make fun of me to all of her friends and then the movie didn't even come to Helena because we only had like the gaslight in the circus Ugh. so we have like five screens and that was did not make the cut Yeah, so in it didn't show up in hindsight you shouldn't have shaved your head and eyebrows for her <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess not. <laughs> so I actually did talk about this guy on a podcast, but I cannot for the life of me remember which one. He's still making movies, I think. Isn't yeah, he making like another Jeepers Creepers no, movie? No, he actually, I th- he might get a producer credit on that, but it is has a new director because it's coming out this year. It's a Jeepers Creepers Reborn or something like that. I think he gets like a producer writing credit. One of his first movies, he actually molested a child, 12-year-old kid, on set. Was found guilty of it. Had child pornography on it, like a bunch of child pornography on his computer. Uh, Was sentenced to three years in prison. Only served 15 months. Yeah, and it wasn't long enough anyway, I feel like. No, absolutely. I completely agree with that. I have no interest in seeing the the reboot of it. I remember watching the the first Jeepers Creepers movie and It was like, meh. It's kind of like a very, very watered down Texas Chainsaw Massacre sort of type horror. It wasn't great. And then they made the second one. I'm like, nah, I didn't enjoy the first one much. And then they made a third one like, fuck, no. (laughs) Why are you beating this horse? Reading up on the stuff with Victor Salva, I'm like, there is no way I will ever touch this. Call me cancel culture or whatever, but I don't want to give him any money. No. Man, why are we even talking about this asshole? (laughs) I didn't bring it up. (laughs) Jeepers creepers. Yeah, I knew that guy was a creep for a few years now, but yeah. I didn't really think about that till you started to bring up the video where the guy's like, I won't be covering this. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. It's the powder <laughs> yeah. fucking douche. I mean, there's a lot of more bad horror movies that I can <laughs> – like, I can watch Wish Wishmaster again. <laughs> I was about to say Wishmaster. <laughs> I know you were. That's Wishmaster. <laughs> or you could watch Wishmaster 2. <laughs> no. <laughs> All the sequels are garbage. <laughs> Even though the three and four were actually filmed at the same time, and for some unfathomable reason, they switched the genre of the movie from like horror to like fantasy and the villain stops being the guy from the first two movies and starts being Sean Connery's son. Sean Connery has a son? Who acts? Are you talking about Harrison Ford in Last Crusade? No. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. Connery. Whoops. Uh, His name is, I think this is Jason Connery. This is news to me. I didn't know he had any kids, but I never cared to learn either, (laughs) to be fair. This is all true. That was a pretty shallow deep dive. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, he is. I I got it right. Wishmaster. He, Jason Connery, actor, director, producer. Since his breakthrough role as Robin Hood in the UK television series Robin Hood in 1985. So. Yeah. He he was on British television. That's why we're not really familiar with him in America. 
but yeah. he had a career. Yeah, that makes Jason sense. Yeah, I'm sure he's Connery. like actually older than us. Uh, his Robin Hood show was on when I was two. Wait, 1984. His name was Jason Connery. Yeah, Jeepers Creepers, JC. JC, I just covered Man of Steel. He's totally pretending to be Jesus Christ. JC, there's a, conspiracy. This means something. This means something. You're going Ooh, all no. now. You're going all number twenty three on us, <laughs> Mister. Doing your trying to do something more dark because you're tired of being taken for a clown all the time. I think that's the movie that people make fun of the most that nobody's ever seen. I've seen it. I've seen it. Dude, I really? saw it in Why? the theater, man, because I was excited to see Jim Carrey try something totally not in his wheelhouse. Oh, and... he's done that well. This one didn't look well. <laughs> uh, it it was still outside of his... It was like a psychological thriller. That's different from a drama. You approach them all different ways. It's like watching Robin Williams three different ways. You watch him in comedies. You watch him in dramas very rarely, but sometimes. Like, uh, oh, he's Good been Will in a Hunting. lot of dramas. Good Will Hunting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you watch him in Patch Adams. You watch him in Good Will Hunting. And then you watch him in Insomnia. And those are three different Robin Williamses. Yeah, and then you watch sure. him in Aladdin. Or you hear him in Aladdin. I mean, that one's pretty akin to the Patch Adams. I would say. Uh, yeah, it's I would a put cartoon. that in comedy. It's, com- it's different, though. It's like, I mean, he kind of just does his cocaine-fueled ranting. Is right, like he's his... just like, oh, look at this. Ooh. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to do some references of comedians from the 1920s. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do a minstrel character and nobody's going to say anything because yeah, it's the 1980s God. and 90s. Yeah. <laughs> just saying we got to look at the whole body of work you know our deep dive is going to officially be m- horror movies that are bad that you can watch instead of cheaper screeners <laughs> <laughs> Wishmasters on the list. Gremlins is on the list. Uh, Man's Best Friend is on the list. I used to love that one when I was like 12 years old. Dog gets gene spliced with a bunch of other animals and he's like a snake, dog, everything animal. He had poison. He was Shit, like, watch the fly too. <laughs> no. I mean, over <laughs> Jeepers Creepers. Or what are you going to say? Sure. Halloween 3? God, you bastards. I was not. I was going to say snake. You, for the record, you cannot pivot to anthology movie series on the third one. You can't fucking do that. That's only a rule because John Carpenter clearly made it a rule. <laughs> John Carpenter well, made the movie. This is not what we yeah. don't do. Here's a good example of how to fail. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, he had really nothing to do with the second Halloween movie. Ooh, you know, He another... did not want it to be made. The People Under the Stairs. Watch that shit, dude. Yeah. That's Wes a, Craven. That's a great Soon to be movie. rebooted as well by Jordan Peele, and so you should Watch people under the stairs in anticipation of seeing a Jordan Peele reimagining. Do we know is he directing that or is he producing that? I don't care. I mean, I'm in either way, but <laughs> yeah, honestly, if it's Jordan Peele directing, if he's it's directing, be I'm better. more excited. Yeah. And I think he might actually be directing, but he might just be producing. Well, let's kick to an interview I did with musician Max Hay. <laughs> Okay, so I got Max Hay in the studio. So, Max, I wanted to ask you some questions about how you started into music. So, we've been friends for a long time. I should what, just. Me? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> should just get that out there. That's true. A long time. And at a certain point, you disappeared and just had this whole career out on the road. And so, <laughs> I want to ask you some questions about it. All right. So I know at some point you went and got trained in recording, correct? Yeah, yeah. I paid a school some money hoping for a job after graduating. And it uh, turns out there are no jobs. 
You have to wait for someone to die <laughs> or, or do your own thing. But yeah, it was good. I went to audio engineering school in Tempe, Arizona and learned a lot. That was very helpful. What kind of stuff did you learn? The most important stuff was signal flow, how to properly use a preamplifier and a fader and all those knobs on any mixer. And once you're armed with that knowledge, you can start messing with other stuff. We also learned a bunch of stuff that I've never used, like how to align a tape machine or a uh, yeah, you know, how to... yeah, really? The, the tape machine, like knowledge, didn't help out later in life? No. <laughs> I've, since then, I've worked in two or three studios that had tape machines, but all they did was hold your beer or just, or they were always for sale. Like, we're just waiting for somebody to buy that. There's going to be some sentimental person who's just like, everything's better on analog. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then they need to find those engineers that know how to align the machines because they're all, all the tape machines right now are, they're all off. They need to be realigned and biased. Yeah. Because nobody's <laughs> using them. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So what did you do after that? Once you realize there's no jobs unless somebody dies, like, did you immediately well, hire a hitman or did you just hit the road looking for a hitman? <laughs> <laughs> I finished school in Tempe, then I moved to Nashville, Tennessee to work as an audio engineer and worked on mostly live situations in nightclubs, just be the, the house sound guy. And then there was a couple studios that kept me working during the days, but those were mostly just uh, trying to get people new on the scene to pay some money to come in your studio. It yeah. was, the job was as much try to trick young kids into spending money here. <laughs> As it was actually make recordings, which was sad. And I was really disenchanted to see that some of my favorite places in Nashville, like, oh, this great record was made here. Then you, they just say, well, you know, it says $500 an hour on the website. But if you can get somebody to pay 20 just get them in here for 20 Because at that time, and that was 2005, the studios were all sitting empty and they were having trouble getting people to come record in in most of the mid-level studios. The high-end studios were still full, but right. But the small and mid-level studios just were dying. Do you think that's because digital's made it easier to do it at home? Yeah, everybody who used to be in the mid-range was just doing it at home for demos. No, nobody was paying a big studio to make their demos anymore. Yeah. And so for the for actual big records. Tim McGraw's not going to do it at home. He goes into a real studio. The people that are cutting songs that they want to pitch to Tim McGraw, they're probably just doing that at home now instead of going in a studio to record it. That reminds me. Didn't you songwrite for a while? Yeah, I still write. Yeah. No, I, that's I never, not what I mean. I'm I sorry. I never got anybody to record my songs. But. Okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> I remember you were with somebody and you were sending off demos. I sent, I sent a lot of CDs to various addresses and never heard from anybody. Uh, but I and I really don't know if any of those people had CD players. <laughs> <laughs> maybe never heard them. They were still with the cassette tapes. <laughs> yeah, maybe that could have been. So you need to go back to these mid-budget studios and you need to sell these tape analog <laughs> <laughs> machines to them. And then you could make a killing, I yeah. think. So when did you hit the road? Oh, I was in Nashville and then started getting uh, a little frustrated with the uh, just my life in general, I needed a big change. And so I, I started applying for jobs uh, as touring audio engineer, the sound guy for a touring band. And this regional band from Iowa hired me. He said they got like 50 applications for the job. And I was the only one from Nashville. Everybody else was from New York or LA. And he said, well, that's good enough for me. So I got the job just because of my address. Just because you lived there for yeah. a little bit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Did you ever reveal that or 
just kind of yeah, keep I, it under the rug. He, the singer came out to Nashville to interview me. I'm making air quotes right now. And the interview consisted of me taking him to all the touristy spots in Nashville. Say, hey, there's where Hank Williams puked. <laughs> Look at that. And, and he had a great time. And we got along great, which, as anybody who works on the road knows, getting along with each other is the most important thing. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you're a great guitar player. If nobody in the band likes you, then... It's going to suck. It's going to be a, a crummy tour. This is very true. I've played in bands with people that were interminable from time to time. <laughs> it's not fun. <laughs> yeah. You can teach somebody to play differently or better, but you can't but teach you him can't to be a better teach person. Him to be a nice guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So when do you start playing on the road? Uh, then after about three years of that, I was living in Iowa at the time. Then uh, the singer and I had an argument. We had a, a big blow up at Pavlitsky's in Minneapolis, which is a six night a week country western bar. And the gig is you got to play for, I think it was four or five hours every night Ugh. for six nights running. And then you get paid. And so every time, too, it starts really bad. The first night is Tuesday and it's always dead. Wednesday's dead. Thursday's dead. Friday's fun because it's slamming. The place is just a big party. Saturday's awesome because it's another big party. And then it's back to the slog on Sunday. There's nobody there. And the manager looks at his watch and points at you and points at his watch. If you take a 16-minute break, you're only supposed to take a 15-minute break. It's just miserable. And we were all high attention. And I decided to pick that night to tell the boss that I was quitting. And we had a big blow up in front of the band. You can't quit. You're fired. Oh, you can't fire me. I don't work for you. And I ended up working for him for about another eight months. <laughs> <laughs> and If uh, you don't mind me asking, how does that happen? Is it just like, <laughs> shit, I don't have enough money? Is it that no, kind it was, of thing? It was more like... Uh, I one of my problems with the job was he didn't need me for every gig. Some of the bars we're playing were 50 seats and we didn't need to bring a big PA system and lighting trusses. They didn't really need an extra sound guy for that. They just need their amplifiers and one speaker for the microphone. So I told him, how about this? Instead of working salary, I'll come for the gigs you need me for the Friday, Saturdays, the festivals, the big clubs. I'll come, but pay me a flat rate. You'll save money. And then I don't have to be on the road full time. And that worked pretty well. And then uh, at one of the gigs, we were playing a an outdoor festival, a poker run that was supposed to be full of bikers. where They were all going to come, and the poker run was going to end at this festival. And we were the headliner. And then it rained and rained all day. And the poker <sighs> run only had five or six people, and we were working for the door. So I told the boss, I said, I know you can't afford to make payroll today, but how about if I take those two powered speakers that have been kicking around the back of the trailer for the last 10 years – and give me two Shure SM57s, and we'll call it good, which is a good deal for me. I wanted mics and speakers, and I didn't have any, and yeah. he had extra, and he didn't want to spend money. So so then I had a PA system, That's and I started amazing, booking dude. myself. <laughs> so did, now, could... did he give you the XLR cables too, or did you have to go buy those? <laughs> <laughs> At that time, I was making my own. I would buy spools of, of 100 yards of XLR, and I just kept those in the trailer, and whenever a cable broke – Instead of repairing the cable, I just cut some cable and make a new one. Oh my god! The dude. soldering system set up out in the trailer. There is so much that I'm learning about you. Like <laughs> honestly, I just thought you kind of left and then hit the road, and then <laughs> I had no idea you had this whole past, <laughs> and that you can make cables. That's incredible. It's a good skill, yeah. Especially if you're a, a sound tech for a road band. 
Absolutely. Do you immediately just hit the road with that? Then I started booking myself locally about that same weekend at Pavlitsky's when we had the big fight. Uh, Is this in Iowa still? That was Yeah, I was living in Iowa, but we were touring all over the West and Midwest. And uh, I bought a house the same weekend that I quit my job, which luckily those days it was predatory subprime loans. So I got a great deal. And <laughs> so they didn't care that I had no job. The bank still gave me a loan. And I lived in that house for about two years and started a, a sign shop in my garage and was playing the guitar, booking myself at, at regional bars and coffee shops and things, just trying to trying to get back into performing, which I'd done a little bit before, but not professionally. And then I got sick of running the sign shop and decided I'm just going to do this. And I decided to move into my Subaru and see if I could make it through the summer doing nothing but play the guitar. And that was the beginning of 2008. Okay. I moved into my Subaru, sold the house, put some stuff in storage, and just put a tent and a PA system in the Subaru. And I made it through the summer, and I didn't know what to do with myself after that, so I just kept going. And then I, I didn't have a proper address for... About another 10 years, I just kept going, kept getting a little bit better gigs and keeping track of how much money I spend and how much I make and uh, try to try to improve on those numbers. Is there a particular worst gig that you can remember? You don't have to like name names or anything. Was there just an absolute nightmare of a night? There's been a lot of them. This wasn't a nightmare. It was just really weird. The thing that comes to mind, there's a little tour boat, a dinner cruise, Iowa Falls, Iowa. Wonderful gig. It's great. You get on this little old-timey riverboat, crowd of people, buys tickets in advance, and they get served dinner, and they have live music, and they go up and watch the sunset from an old-timey riverboat. And on nice days, you can go on the roof of the riverboat and sit up there. We were doing a 4th of July cruise. I'd done this gig maybe four or five times before, and they said, we really want you for the 4th of July. Oh, great. Cool. I loved it. So we went up, did the gig. And we're on the boat. They've got me set up on the roof. And uh, they said, oh, when, once we get around to this part where the river gets wide, you're going to be performing for the people on land too. And I thought, oh, well, that's weird. My speakers won't really cover that area. <laughs> but all right. And they said, oh, no, we've got it all worked out. Bill has a wireless system and he's on board and his buddy is on land and they've got a PA system on land. And we go around the corner and there's at least a thousand people on the beach. They're there for the fireworks. It's the biggest party in Iowa Falls every year. And they've got a crane with a full line array system, the, like the biggest PA system you can get, hanging out there, pointed at these people on the beach. And they said, you're going to be playing through that. And we're going <laughs> to use the, the radio transmitter. We're going to plug it into your board. And we're just going to beam it to shore. How much of a nightmarish monitor was that? It was off. It was so loud. And it was a good two seconds delay between when I'd strum the guitar <laughs> and when I would hear it blasting back at me from this huge PA system that's a quarter mile, half a mile away. It was, it was impossible. So I just – I stared at the ground and I started pounding my foot in line with the song and I just tried to ignore all the noises I was hearing and watch my foot for the beat. And I somehow made it through, but it couldn't have been good. Yeah. And then and then the, the best part, too, is you finish the song and there's a thousand people that supposedly they're all clapping. Bill had a walkie-talkie and he'd say, they love it. They love it. <laughs> but all you can hear is this little faint. Because <laughs> there's the, you can't even hear the audience clapping. Oh, they love it. They love it. <laughs> yeah. They say, it sounds like you have a harmonica. Somebody <laughs> wants to hear Neil Young. Do you know Neil Young? 
God. <laughs> Bill, I'm so glad you came on this cruise with your walkie-talkie. <laughs> it's insane, too, because what people might not be putting together with this, too, it would be like listening to music through a walkie-talkie, but on a PA system. Like, that can't be good. It was, no, it couldn't have been. A, it, I'm sure they... <laughs> It was not a, a really nice wireless system they had set up. It was probably the cheapest wireless guitar setup you can get broadcast in mono farther than it's supposed to broadcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that is fantastic. Iowa people, man. They'll make it happen. What's the They'll best gig? I'm sure you... duct tape was involved somehow. <laughs> <laughs> What's the best gig you got? I like to play shows where I'm just part of the restaurant or the bar. I had this one in in Florida for a while, McGuire's Irish Pub. That's a, a big touristy Disneyland kind of Irish pub. And that one was really hard at first. But then once I got in the groove of it, it was one of the greatest gigs ever. The gig is four hours a night, five nights a week. And they like to turn their tables over quicker because there's always a line at the door to get in. Amazing food, amazing staff. And so their idea is, okay, our average table is one hour. Can we get that down to 45 minutes per table? Because then they make twice as much money over four hours. Yeah. So you're working with the waiters. And you see a few tables that are finishing up and not ordering anything. And so then I take a break. And then I come back and I do a, a song they already heard or something. You try to push people out the door and then you try to get people to stay. And then after about 10 o'clock, then you start doing really interesting stuff, trying to get people to stay. And it's all just interacting with the crowd. They don't know my name. They don't care to. Right. They're just there to have a good time. And so I'm there to be the party host. And that was a lot of fun, man. I did that for about four years every winter. I'd spend in, in Florida on the beach being a party host for tourists. Now, you did something super interesting that I definitely wanted you to talk about, which is didn't you go and play in China for a while? Oh, I did. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, that was the best one. That was the best gig ever. <laughs> <laughs> How did I forget about that one? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was cool. So how do you get hooked up with a gig in China? My friend Dave Stone gave me the call. And Dave Stone is a great blues guitar player, slide player, and does a lot of dobro stuff. And he really makes a national guitar sound like it should. But he and I played a show together in Australia in 2008, my first trip to Australia, that was completely booked by a booking agent I met on MySpace. <laughs> Which was kind of odd. That gives us a time frame here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Keeley Management. And she did she did a fine job too. So we played this show that was it was a, an all day hippie kind of affair. They had belly dancing and a drum circle. And then between belly dancing and drum circles, they had singer songwriters. And Dave and I were two of the singer songwriters that day. And so we met in the back room and we're having beers and chatting and we kept in touch. And then a few years later, 2010, I was playing in Deadwood, South Dakota, and got an email that said, can you come to China uh, next week for at least an open-ended six-month contract? Might go longer, has to be at least six months. We were just getting done playing a casino. And I said, oh, boy, yeah, hell yeah, that sounds fun. And fell asleep and forgot about it. And then the next day, we're dri we drive back down to Spearfish, where I was staying at the time, and I started thinking, hey, did I... I think I agreed to a gig in China last night <laughs> as the, the fog was starting to lift on the night before. And I, I man, I got to get to a computer. Yeah. So I went, 
went to the hotel, fired up my computer, and sure enough, there was all these emails now from the operations team of – it was an Australian government position working for the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade in Australia for the World Expo, which is the World's Fair. Yeah. It was yeah. in Shanghai. And holy shit, man, I need to have a passport picture taken, have to send them information for my visa. They've got to get all this stuff going immediately. Yeah, it turns out old Dave – Knew the CEO of one of the staffing agencies and and pitched him the idea of having a house band at the Australia Pavilion and said, we need to teach the world about Australian pub culture. It's an important part of Australia and we want to show them. At the very last minute, they said, well, we have a budget surplus. Yeah, we'll approve that. So and, he's like, let then, me call my American friend. <laughs> yeah, he, he called every guitar player in Australia and nobody was available. Really? So, so I got the, How does that make you feel call. that you lost out to like every guitar player in Australia? <laughs> <laughs> At least it's not a huge yeah. country. Yeah. Well, the the idea that somebody's available to just drop everything right now and move to China for six months at least. Yeah, that's pretty that crazy. Was the, that was my qualification. <laughs> <laughs> And man, when I when I signed on, we didn't have the rest of the band yet. I, I got off the plane at the airport and saw Dave, whom I recognized. And then I said, well, Dave, so I'm here. I brought my guitar, my harmonicas. What else do we need? I brought some charts from songs that I had charted. I had no idea what we were going to do. And then I see a guy with a big round bag walking towards us. That's a bag of cymbals. I know that bag. Yeah, he used to be a drummer. And then he kept coming towards us. And I said, I think he's going to come talk to us. And then Dave saw him and said, oh, hey, Leon. Turns out it was Leon Tussie, this incredible drummer whom I didn't know at the time. I thought, oh, man, we've got a drummer. And then the next day, a guy shows up with a saxophone case. And it's Lee Hardesty, the best saxophone player I've ever played with. And we had a hell of a good time. For seven months, we, we went. And that one, we played six-hour shows every single night. Wow. It was just nuts. I've never been in a band that got that tight. Don't expect I ever will be because you just know nobody gets the chance to play with the same guys seven nights a week, six hours a night. And like you're in a country where you're not allowed to not do that at that point. (laughs) Yeah. They actually started us at eight hours a night and they said, you clock in when you're on the stage, just like the dishwasher. And they wanted us to do these hellacious sets. And we said, this is 100 degree heat. We don't have that many songs. We just met each other. We can't do that. They were kind enough to cut us back to a six hour show. (laughs) I mean, did you guys like repeat stuff or did you just make stuff up on the flyer? How do you fill six hours? At first we had no idea. We did. We had, we had about 20 minutes worth of material rehearsed. Wow. Okay. So what does that look like? Are you guys just riffing and like jamming? Like what's happening? At at first we we all agreed on a a style of chart that we all liked to read, which was paper with letters big enough to read while you're standing up that you can put on the floor. A couple of them used music stands. I was animately against that because I think music stands look dumb. Yeah. But. <laughs> I I went to look at my music stand that I have over there and I forgot I put it in the closet and I'm so glad right now. <laughs> and then I just gave it away. <laughs> yeah. The audience didn't come to look at the back of a music no. stand. No. That shit's for at home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, or an orchestra or something, a rock and roll band. So You shouldn't see that. How can you see my my gyrating pelvis if there's a music stand? Well, that should theoretically be the, the narrow part of the stand, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a skinny guy. It still blocks, still blocks it. Okay, so how long did you play in China for? We did seven months, got two weeks off in the middle of that. About three months in, we started challenging ourselves. You know, if we played Monday night, 
Tuesday night, we tried to do no repeats. And wow. so by the end of it, we had at least 12 hours of music. And, and we also got really good at, at just reading each other. We could take any little three-chord ditty and stretch it out into a 20-minute jazz jam where we switch modes and keys four times. You know, we just watch and I, I could tell when the saxophone player, he flats a third and then we're, we're all in a minor and you get everybody kind of does this little head nod. Where, oh, we're in a minor key now. We would adjust instantly, half a beat after we heard that flat third. We know we're in a minor key now and we were just listening to each other so well. That's amazing, dude. So what does a contract like that look like after seven months of playing seven nights a week? I was having the ball, man. I was partying every night, part of the gig too as fits with most of my career, is you're selling beer. And we had a VB beer and some coffee and hamburgers and stuff on the side of the stage. So between every song, I'm doing a cheers to the audience. And uh, boy, the Chinese people love that. They're not used to people binge drinking in front of them like that. <laughs> so Let me introduce you to funny. a little country called America. Yeah. That's what we do. <laughs> Yeah, so I, w I was partying, having a good time, and after the show, people don't know who you are, but they want autographs. And so you sign autographs, and the some of the other guys didn't like that at all, and they would run to the dressing room as fast as they could after the show. And they like couldn't wait many... to be done with the gig after seven months. They were just ready to go back home. How many opportunities are you going to get to sign autographs? So that I'd imagine well, that's, that's what the thing I you don't see very that's often. I, I don't care. Yeah. 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 Like that would be something I would cherish. I signed one autograph my entire life and I thought it was great. And it was to a 12 year old. <laughs> oh, that's sweet. That, I bet the 12 year old cherishes it too. Yeah. Well, the 12 year old wound up being somebody that I know at my local bar and he reminded me of that. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God, that was you. So it was great. Oh, that's what you get to see him fast forward. Because I was mentioning the first band I was in, and he was like, oh, yeah, I used to see you guys all the time. You signed an autograph for me. And I was like, oh, like put it together, you know. <laughs> but that cool. was the only one. That's why it sticks out. <laughs> yeah, usually autographs are reserved for when you get a driver's license or something, you got to sign it or a new yeah. debit card. Divorce papers, Divorce things paper, like yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, it's usually not a fun thing. <laughs> no. <laughs> so what are you going to play for us? Well, uh, I did this project with – the great Dub Campbell Christmas at Chester's a few years ago. Yes. And there was one song in there that, that I wrote and I really liked it, but it wasn't really a song. It was more of a just the character in the play. Pathetic Patrick did this uh, little song, and I've since finished it, and I think I'm going to put it on the next album. So I, I'd like to try that one for you. and find me in springtime Don't poke around until then Cause I hope you don't find me stuck to this bar stool All out of work and all out of my head Christmas is just round the corner and That's when I'll change up my game I'll sleep it all off by New Year's Then I'll be swinging from lampposts Twirling my cane They'll say, hey man, he's sure looking healthy 
And his eyes are not bloodstained at all Boy, could we use you down at the shop I'll pass your number on to the boss Come Monday morning, I reckon he's gonna give you a call Myself fishing to a spot where the yellow perch bite. And if you come looking, follow the footprints over the lake to the hole in the ice when the chickadees cry at your window and the bluebell and bitter root bloom. Come back and find me. Time and you know I'll be waiting. I've been waiting how long I've been waiting for you. That was great, Max. Thank you. <laughs> oh, thanks for listening to my story. <laughs> Stories. I, I like telling them. Uh, where are you playing at next? Uh, let's see. Thursday night, I'll be at 10 Mile Creek Brewing Company in Helena. I'm going to be at that one for sure. Sweet. I'm yeah, excited. That'll be the first time playing uh, since I, I did a couple in the middle of the pandemic that were kind of weird. But then yeah, I haven't played a show in six months, so I'm excited and nervous to see if I remember any songs. Oh, you'll do fine. Then I'm, sure, night, I'm sure you'll be nervous, but you'll do fine. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Oh, they do have really nice beer there, so yes, they that'll do. help. And then the next night, Friday night, I'll be in Dillon, Montana at The Den. Good food and beer. Outdoor seating. It's awesome down there. And the following week on the th- the 4th, yeah, June 4th, I'll be at in Craig, Montana at the new 10 Mile Creek Brewing Company Tap Room. That's going to be awesome. I can't wait to see it. I think I'm the first musical act they'll have here. Oh, it's amazing, dude. And I didn't know that they were a corporation now. So <laughs> They're expanding. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The following week, I think June 9th, I'll be in Great Falls. Elevation, 3330, I think is the number. It's all those guys that used to run the front brewing company have moved up in the world literally and emotionally. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, Max. Thank I you, Alex. It, man. I sure appreciate you having me over. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Your favorite movies are now in 4K Steelbook. Throw away those VHS, Laserdisc, CBD, Blu-ray, regular old boring 4K copies of your movie and get a shiny copy today. And now we take you to the Grateful Bread Video Drone located in downtown Valhalla.
Okay, so this is going to be very simple here. It's who could field a better basketball team, the Avengers or the Justice League. So first off, I don't want to be going on this forever because there's up to 15 players on a basketball team. Don't have the fucking time. Five <laughs> players for each team. We're not doing We're six just doing the starting five. Yeah, we're just doing the starting five. It's just going to be a five-on-five tournament. We can do skins and shirts if you guys want. No, you uh, can't do that. There's going to be girls playing. That's probably true. We'll <laughs> see what happens on the list. So I'm going to break down position by position here. So the first position that we're looking for is point guard. So the point guard is the guy who brings the ball down the floor. You typically want somebody who can pass and you want somebody who's a leader. That is your qualities you're looking for in a point guard. So who would we have for the point guard for Marvel and the Justice League? I'm going to start out with uh, Marvel, with Captain Marvel. Just because she's a leader and really has her wits about her and can get places in a quick, fast hurry. You can't approach this from a straight basketball perspective. You have to approach this from a superpower perspective because what we're doing is we're dealing with superpowered individuals here. So the point guard position would be for Marvel, Mr. Fantastic, because he's got stretchy arms and stretchy body. If you're talking about... He's getting the tip off, right? So that would be like the So yeah, that's the position where I'm starting so this is the guy who's like coming down with the ball and he's looking for somebody to pass to, to he's, and he's set setting up, up the play and he's setting up the play so he's it's catching the, the ball the the center is tipping it to him yes so or like if the other team scores a basket he's the one that brings it down the court typically yeah i would put nightcrawler there for marvel Interesting. Or Blink. Now explain Blink. I, Blink I feel like everybody portals, knows Nightcrawler. But they're actual portals. Okay. Can other people go in those portals? She can yeah. bring people with her. Yeah. Okay. And she, in the, the Days of Future Past, she's in the opening sequence. She's redirecting the beams of the Sentinels so that they're hitting themselves instead of her by throwing up a portal. And it's like pew, pew. So, so she kind of throws up two portals because an entry yeah. or she can. Yeah, yeah. She throws up two. So I am going to go with Captain America on this one because dude's like fit. He and he's only quick has, and he hurls a shield all the has, time. So he only has one arm free. He hurls a shield all the time. So like he's probably a good passer. He's got and the shield. He though. is the leader of the Avengers. Like that's the guy who put it on his back. Yeah. He's kind of the general for the team. And I mean, he doesn't have to take the shield out if he doesn't want to. But with some of the people we might have playing he might want to keep that on his back <laughs> just saying what's the dc version so my initial are we thought, just gonna start with one team first just do marvel first maybe let's do a position by position and kind of come up with the verses here okay so my thought for the dc point guard is probably batman because the dude throws batarangs all the time he's if that the tact the spot for the and, tactical guy yeah, yeah the guy who comes up with the play so that makes sense to me like i feel like captain america and batman kind of fill those roles in yeah. my yeah. I was going to say Taskmaster, but he's also Marvel. Um, He'd be great on defense, but he's not an Avenger. We're just doing Avengers or Justice League. Oh, but there's better characters for these roles. Nightcrawler See, was I, never. I thought we were doing the whole, like, the whole Marvel pay- versus yeah, DC. Yeah, everything, right? I said Why Avengers just... versus DC, but if Fine. you guys just want to do Marvel right. versus DC, okay. we can do that. Let's do Marvel versus DC. Sure. Let's blow it open. Or at least, like, if we just do, like, Avengers and X-Men, that probably is wide enough for Marvel. Yeah. I was just thinking that because like they're already a team so <laughs> there's just <laughs> been a lot literally of my mind of thought yeah it's fair if we've opened it up to anybody i mean so i'm stuck on this one i think captain america is well, going to be mean, good the justice league he's going to be a good passer and he's going to be a good yeah. playmaker but dude 
Green Arrow could be good too, Bullseye? and he could like shoot the ba- he could shoot the basketball to another player with a. That's true, but Bullseye <laughs> dude never misses, right? So he but never yeah, he's misses. always hitting that outside. Three. Don't you but want? You can't. You don't. You can't trust that motherfucker leading the team. You don't either. put him yeah. in the middle then, because who shoots threes? The guy in the back, right? These days, everybody but the center <laughs> shoots. Unless threes. you're Nicole Yoke. Yes, dead shot. You couldn't really handle. For DC, either you almost have to like really wonder about the villains because I feel like a lot of them just don't work. Oh well no, no, I others. think that you don't take into account their personality for this. You assume that See, they're I all working because it's part as chemistry on the team. Yeah, you need chemistry that works on the team. Like you need that crazy fucker who will lay out somebody when you need it. Things like that. The goon. Yep. Yeah, like you need all of these things for a team. So, but I think the point guard. Is, when does that happen in real basketball? All the time. Yeah. What? Yeah. Andre this Davis. Is terrible. Typically. The the power forward or the center will lay out people all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, especially when you get the like the power forward, the comp, guys, like the second, yeah. third stringer coming off the bench, power forward. He's there to make fouls. You guys are coming at this <laughs> from like a caring about basketball thing. That's and I am are, not baby. coming at this from that at all. I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, okay, so you're going to have a stretchy guy versus a stretchy guy. So you're going to want Mr. Fantastic versus fucking Elastic Man. No. Right? The Elongated Man. Elongated Plastic Man. Man is insane. Plastic Man. Like, Plastic Man is insane. He's just, well, but he's also way more powerful as far as his actual but power goes. But you can't goes, trust him. He, can he might just dunk on himself because he, he thinks it's funny. <laughs> like, he he's, trust, he's nuts. No, he's just cartoonish. <laughs> Plastic Man, actually, if he's the one that is married to the one lady, he has one of the most. Is he? Is Plastic Man the one from the DC? The the legends? Are, Elongated Man was a, a DC ripoff. I mean, of Plastic in the Man. Flash, D, the Flash WB. It was series. Elongated Man. It was Elongated. Yeah. Is in Ralph the Flash. Dibney. Okay, then Ralph Dibney's the one you, that I'm thinking. Yeah, of. you want Ralph like, Dibney? We're in on agreement on that. But, like Batman: Brave of the Bold was actually Plastic Man, but it and was he's Ralph like Dibney. a cartoon yeah. okay. character. So, anything but then you would have like on each side you would have like a psychic person a telekin so you'd have like on the marvel side you'd have fucking Jean gray and then on the dc side you'd have like i was trying to picture professor x who like (laughs) wheelchair no but he's more (laughs) he's not telekinetic otherwise he just uses telekinetic oh i thought you said said telekinetic Jean gray is telekinetic okay and then like the other thing is like a bunch of people can fly in both worlds so yeah this is going to yeah. be a basketball game that incorporates flying and teleportation and mind control and a shark man. <laughs> <laughs> and like, you don't approach that from basketball side. You do and you don't. That's what makes us fun is that like this is a sports thing that you can get behind, Carl, because like we're going to bring certain elements to it. and You're going to bring certain elements to it. But we need to figure this out. Like, I think we can figure this out yeah. together. Like, that's like Captain America is just un- outclassed. And so is Batman because you can just neutralize him within a basketball game so easily. You just need somebody to like call those shots. And if Batman has time to prepare. Batman's he's the, going, Batman's he's gonna the have coach. Weaknesses. Batman's the coach. Yeah, Captain he's, America would be a better coach too. All right, yeah. we'll put those guys on the sidelines. And then on the other side, you got like I would even put like Lex Luthor would probably be the guy that's coming up with the plan. Oh, he'd be the general manager, like scout, <laughs> scouting the enemy teams, figuring out their weaknesses. And coming Harry up Osborne with, will be the other general manager. <laughs> yeah, coming up with plays to like neutralize certain players. Okay, so we need to get back. There'd up, be though. a magic yeah. player on each side. 
so you'd have like Zatanna on DC side and then like Doctor Strange. Uh, yeah, Doctor Scarlet Strange Witch. or Scarlet Witch if you want to balance the gender, keep well, the genders balanced. Let's get back to the point guard position here. I feel like we should focus <laughs> on positions and then work it out that way. So somebody who can pass the ball, somebody who can lead and call plays. That's what we want out of a point guard. Like that that's your bare necessity outside as long as they have Nick those Fury. qualities. <sighs> Samuel Jackson, Nick Fury, the, or like David Hasselhoff, <laughs> David Hasselhoff, Nick Fury, Nick Fury. <laughs> because I feel well, like they're both too old to do this. <laughs> and then, you know, of course, DC and Marvel, I think they're the only two franchises that have deep enough benches to even make a decent team. Maybe image, but I just don't know. Like what, yeah, Wildcats and Savage yeah. Dragon. And yeah, Dragon. we're taking that off the table because I don't Spawn. know them well enough. Bomb. Yeah. So the violator. Why don't I do, I do like your Batman point card? Like, yeah, put Batman there. Whatever. All right. What about? Okay. You know what? Iron you said Man something earlier. Now that Iron we've Man. opened it. Now that we've opened it up to to like all of Marvel. Yeah. I do think Taskmaster would be a good point guard because he could do whatever Batman's doing, and he would be a lockdown defender. But he's Marvel though. So yeah, you think what, he's the yeah. Marvel side? So the Marvel point guard. Taskmaster gets Marvel, and then because that DC dude gets does Batman. nothing but study other people and figure out how to break down what they're doing, and he can really kind of do it in real time too. He can learn your moves yeah. instantly. Yeah. So I think that like from a defensive front, for sure you want him in charge. Because once he sees how Batman passes, he can now pass that way. And yeah. he can shut down Batman. So I, what do you it's think, good, Brandon? Good call. Okay. I, I like it. All right. We got the point guard. So now shooting guard. This is a guy who has to be quick and has to be agile. Flash That's Quicksilver. Flash. So I thought that too. Easy. I was also thinking though, Spider-Man would be a pretty Spider-Man? good defender too. Spider-Man? Because Spider-Man? like not only is he quick and he's hard to hit, he's got Spidey sense so he can like know when there's danger coming at him and he can web up shit so that like you're going to shoot that ball. No, I want that ball. And then he's got the ball. Yeah. So who's the DC equivalent of Spider-Man? Spider-Man. I don't think there is one. That That's is why so DC strange, fails. But, but I think Flash, <laughs> Flash would be Flash could good... go back in time and try and change the game. <laughs> like a soup, maybe Beast Boy from the Teen Titans or yeah. even Robin or Nightwing. Yeah. I mean, they, they fit the bill, but they're going to get fucking squashed by Daredevil? Spider-Man too. No, he's Marvel shit. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking Marvel has all a good heroes, man. Let's do Miles Morales Spider-Man too. I like the idea that he can sting people. Well, it's not going like, to be paralyze them. Jake Johnson, <laughs> <laughs> who's my personal favorite Spider-Man yeah. of all time, but but like Miles Morales can do everything be, Peter Parker can do, but he's got that stun and he can go invisible. So those are like incredible and he's defensive, like a little bit shorter. Ability. So I don't know when you're trying to be agile and nimble, being a little bit shorter is probably easier, helpful. Yeah. More but Taskmaster is pretty big, so I feel like you're backcourt. But he's not the they'll he's balance not each the other guy, out. the man to man. He's not his no person. That, so no, Marvel's gonna matter. go zone. Marvel's gonna go zone <laughs> defense. <laughs> ugh, I don't swarms. know what that means. That just means you have multiple guys. I mean, I know what it means, at. but ugh, I don't want to have to think about the difference between man to man defense versus zone defense. We're not getting that deep into this. All right, okay. This is not the deep dive. At. Like, <laughs> all right, so we agree on Miles Morales, Spider Man. Sure, then? yeah, I'm good okay. with that. Who are we on the DC side? See, I'm Can we even Flash. think of any? I feel like if we're going to do Flash for DC, he has to be countered by at least another speedster because can I hear can, him, but can he, Spider-Man but react? Have, let me can, put it Spider-Man this way. can't do everything. Right. 
but he could at least counter flash somehow. The problem with having flash on the other side is that if you put Quicksilver, he gets his ass kicked because flash can do so many more things than Quicksilver can do. Yeah. He can vibrate through things. He can go back in time. So you would have to go with like not the over OP flash, but like some lesser speedster in the DC universe. Cause there's That's a bunch possible. of speedsters. And I'm go not with saying like, to weaken Go up. with Flash's I'm, kid or something. I'm not Kids saying that to go to weaken him up. I just think if you have Spider-Man, it's got different elements. And so he's not going to walk all over Spider-Man either. Like he's got that spider sense. He can yeah. The Flash will walk over everybody. There could potentially be somebody who can shut down Flash on the Marvel side too. Like who? if you're talking about having Jean Grey, for example, she could do something to like fucking stun him. So he's just, you know what, you know what I mean? Like, See, like now if we were going to, if we really wanted, we're trying to, are we trying to come up with the best teams on each side? Yeah. And then yeah. figure that's out a different wins. conversation. Like what I think would be more interesting would be coming up with random teams from each universe and then figuring out how each of those teams would work together to be a functional basketball team. But that's like a whole like thing in and of itself that would take. And we only got 10 minutes. Yeah, it's not, <laughs> it's not the kind of thing you have in an hour long discussion. Yeah. The best team at that point, like you would like, you would just get the five most powerful characters in each universe, right? So what are the top five most like, powerful well, beings in DC being versus powerful the top isn't five most powerful? Good on the, the but, hold but on, hold on, hold on. Before you when get further you have down the this, ability this to is why I bend said, reality. But this is why right? I set limits on this is because like, <laughs> so to choose, but then it's they still have the to meet the best. criteria of the position. It's that's still, that's what I'm putting out because it like starts to limit the characters that you can do, right? Like, what part what position does Superman not fit the criteria for? I have Superman at center because the dude will not be moved. He's huge. He can fly in the air. He's a perfect center. That guy is just he's like he going will hold to down get the ball. See, I was time. I would put him as power forward. You could do that as well. <laughs> he would work in either position. Yeah, but you want him down low where he's yeah. Playing he's defense. he's in the key. Yeah, <laughs> he's he's like stopping the ball from getting to the basket, and he's also like doing monster dunks and stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's like, why. I'd... Yeah. So I would have Superman down low because he's got power. And just to like tip my hand on that, I also thought Luke Cage would be a great power forward because you ain't moving that guy. And then you <laughs> Superman's pair... moving him. And then you pair him with Hulk like, right up against Superman. That's a fucking matchup, dude. Yeah. See, you I, only I, have I actually... so many feet you can go up in the air while you're flying around and Hulk can jump all of that. See, Superman I was actually going to go. And make him forget that he's even playing. <laughs> I'm going to make this a little wild. <laughs> Superman too. I'm going Thanos with as uh center does he have the infinity gauntlet sure he's got a couple of stones. Thanos versus dark side as centers <laughs> <laughs> Like I feel like Ghost Darkseid Rider, Ghost Rider versus Mephisto. No, right. they're both Marvel. I'm gonna say no outside magical items outside of what they would Friggin', normally have. Thanos uh, normally does not have the no, Infinity Gauntlet. You guys are all wrong. You know who's the center for Marvel? Who's that? Galactus. Oh, that's a fucking good one. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like dude, you can't even like he see steps the court. <laughs> he, steps like, on the, just... he steps on the field and everybody else gets squished, <laughs> and the game is over. He's just Marvel wins. He's just eating the entire other team and then the court and DC, then his own team. DC center is the anti monitor. <laughs> 
See, now we've just derailed it. No, you derailed it completely. It's more, I mean, it would just be more interesting if, like, we set up a March Madness with, like, See, this is why I said Avengers and Justice League. Like, it keeps it more limited. But I'm improving it. So we do a March Madness. We set up a March Madness. And, like, one team is the Avengers. One team is the X-Men. One team is the uh, Sinister Six. One team is the, the, every team, we just put all the teams in there and then instead of them like fighting each other they like actually play basketball all right fuck dc because i don't know him well enough <laughs> on this let's talk about the marvel end of this if we're gonna do this okay so if you're doing a starting the five, inhumans if you're doing a starting five for the Avengers, fantastic four i'm gonna put captain america at point guard i'm gonna put spider-man at shooting guard same one i got these where's down war here. machine War Machine is not on the court for this. Where's... I'm going to have the vision at small forward because he's quick and he can go through can people phase. and then yeah. just like block shit. I'm going to have Luke Cage at power forward and Hulk, the Amis Deus Cho Hulk at center because that dude is not stupid. Like uh, when he's Hulk. It, what's he called? <laughs> totally Awesome Hulk. That's his uh, Something Hulk like name. that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like it's a dumb title, but it's- No, he's like, great. But he's a great character. And his mom was technically in the MCU as the lady that did the, the uh, um, that built the vision body for Ultron. Okay, if we're doing the Sinister Six, only five of them are going to make it on the court. And uh, there's the multiple Vulture. versions. Vulture. Yeah, Vulture sucks. Cut and he's Vulture. an old yeah. man. Dude, Doc Ock, man? He yeah. plays some oh, great dude. D, dude. Yeah. He's playing some great defense. <laughs> Sandman would be a great center. Oh, he'd be he's so big frustrating. and he could just do this giant wall of sand to yeah. block the ball. Let's see who else we got. We got Electro. The X-Men. Yeah, Electro. I guess he could be like a shooting guard. He's pretty quick. Yeah. He like zooms around, right? Yeah. And he can do like, he does like concussive. No, that's a different guy. That's a shocker. Yeah. He would, he could like concussive blast the ball into the hoop from the, that'd be pretty dumb. Who else is in the Sinister Six? Like Hydra Man, Rhino. Yeah, I think Rhino's in it. Oh, that's your center. In actually. some versions, yeah. Sandman goes to power four. I mean, Rhino's might as center. well throw in. Uh, oh, uh, Green Goblin or Hobgoblin or one of those two guys. I don't like, think so. You could even like throw in uh, like Venom and shit. Why not put him in the Sinister Six team just for funsies? Because he's the Spider-Man villain, and that's what the Sinister Six is. Is Spider-Man? You could put Craven in there. Just make make Craven's a team of Spider-Man of them, yeah. villains. Oh, Craven's your point guard because that dude does nothing but plan. Yeah, he's a, he's a he, planner. Yeah. As a hunter, he's like a strategist or whatever. Yeah. Uh, the X-Men, you've got Nightcrawler for sure to be in there. Cyclops yeah. could be the point guard, I guess. No, no Cyclops is huge. He needs to be like a center or something like that. No, that's, you're thinking not... of Colossus. Colossus yeah. would be the center. Oh, you're Cyclops right. Cyclops is right. the leader guy that has the eye beams. Yeah, he's, he's yeah, lame. But he but is a douche. Can't we put he's... like Emma Frost in there or something? I guess. She's... A little too self-centered to be a, a coordinator of things. Yeah, that's See, true. I'm thinking Nightcrawler would be a great. And he point could guard. be in a good. Actually, you know, Nightcrawler would. He'd be a good for like versus man to man. He'd be good at dealing with Spider Man. I think. Yeah. So I would put him in shooting guard or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Or small forward. Either works probably. And uh, you want Wolverine one of the guys, on the court, right? Like the dude who can just take damage and never worry about it. But he's, yeah, he's, a he's not very big either, though. Yeah, he's he? not. He's a he's like nah, comics, he's pretty short. He, he doesn't. And he doesn't fit. Jean any Grey position. could basically be in any position as well because she's got telekinesis. Plus, if she is like Phoenix powered level, then she's just like 
unstoppable. We'll put her at small forward. She's like the, the crazy person off the bench. <laughs> just like goes in and like has a rational confidence. Has about four fouls and, and about three Gambit. <laughs> Gambit doesn't get de- – Gambit doesn't make the cut. Gambit's a bench warmer. Jubilee's yeah. a bench warmer. Beast. Ooh, Beast. Beast He's is like super actually, athletic. He might be a good point guard. He could actually. be a good point guard. He's yeah. super intelligent and he's yeah. like flipping around and doing all sorts of. And it seems like other X-Men don't have a problem. He would be Beast. a better, he'd be better on the court than Wolverine because Wolverine could go into a berserker rage and then he would be useless. Yeah. And he would he's be too just, short anyway. He's I think throwing he gotta, chairs and yeah. Getting, he's getting drunk while yeah, he's playing. Like, he, yeah, Wolverine's out. Wolverine. Get, Guess what? You don't get the smoke on the court, Wolverine. Yeah, you don't always. <laughs> get to be part of the thing like <laughs> why does Wolverine I always be on get it to, anyway it's like Wolverine always gets to be in all the X-Men stuff Batman always has to be a part of the fucking other shit Professor X clearly the coach in this scenario right yeah yeah or Mr. Sinister <laughs> no that would be a different team and that team would He's be sweet too because Sauron that would be like the Savage Land team that Mr. Sinister would be on because and that would have like that uh the pterodon pterodactyl guy <laughs> okay so i was thinking about the fantastic four and they can't quite feel the team but if you go the future foundation which Spider-Man was the, the later be part of that team yep so you got five you have like seven really because you also have the the richard kids as well franklin so, richards although i guess human torch is dead at this point well you would just like you can also travel time oh sure and go snag yeah. him so you hey, it's just really important him. what's happening is kang like conquering something no we're playing against the Sinister Six in a basketball game. We really need you. Nah. Only as long as we're not shirts. I keep wrecking them all. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it'd be pretty fun. Brotherhood of Evil means they'd have a team. Your obvious center is a thing. Yeah, no question about that. And Mr. Fantastic is dunking from the third three-point line. Yeah. (laughs) Mr. Fantastic is a power forward. Yeah. He's the point guard because he's super – he's a super genius. The problem with putting him at point guard is he doesn't think shit through. He doesn't even have to – He, like, thinks of, like, this plan would work great to break him down. But he doesn't think about the fact that he's going to upset his own team members while he's doing it. He, dude, he's it's Reed Richards. He's the smartest man on earth. But he's, he's not the wisest. He's one he's of the least wisest. He's got plans on plans on plans. He's got plans. I know. I'm just saying like he always shoots himself he in the foot. He freaking built the ultimate nullifier. <laughs> well, <laughs> stop Galactus from coming here. He, he also fucked up on his calculations when they went through cosmic rays. You know, he so, didn't, you know too. what he didn't do is create every villain for every Avengers movie like stupid Iron Man did. But depending on the Fantastic Four you're talking about, he also like became a giant villain in the ultimate universe. So. Cause he's so smart. <laughs> That's what I'm I saying. Again. Not wise, smart, but yeah, not you know wise. who else doesn't make the cut? Aqua guy. Oh, because we're not doing DC anymore. You I mean, know. I just want Namor? to throw that up. Namor. <laughs> you want Namor on Namor the team? Namor definitely the doesn't F-O. make the cut, dude. He's got his own team of just Atlanteans because he's like a racist. Yeah. But I don't – like Atlantis But he's like superior. Sue can play with or, us. not Atlanta. Atlantis. <laughs> he's like, I do want Sue Storm though. Yeah. What a creepo. <laughs> Ooh, do the Illuminati get a team? Then you can get your Iron Man in there. You can get Well, Namor. Iron Man's an Avenger, so he's on the Avengers team. Maybe. Or maybe there's – a 
different Avenger, and he's actually with the Illuminati. Like, you could put Wolverine and Iron Man both on the Avengers team. That'd be weird. There'd be like they, a couple they, of free agents. There'd be a couple yeah. of free agents. Like, Ghost Rider's uh, a free Reed agent. Richards Punisher's is a, a free agent. Reed Richards is a free agent, too. He's an Avenger and Fantastic Four. Uh, in fact, I think... There's a lot of X-Men that went over to the Avengers and vice yeah, versa. Yeah. And well, then, like, the ones like Spider-Man's probably a free agent, because he jumps to... He he's is, on every team. It depends on what where in the timeline you're talking, but currently he is an Avenger. He right, was a but part-time he was Avenger also for a long time. In and that then... Freedom Foundation and yes. all that shit. He's just done oh, a yeah, lot that's of shit. True. Yeah. And he's teamed up with everybody. He's teamed up with Deadpool. In the 90s. Deadpool's a free agent. In the 90s, they would Cable, always put probably like, a free the agent. best non-mutant in the Marvel Universe and stuff like that. But they would always say non-mutant because X-Men were so popular. You know, and like throw in, say, like Domino, right? Like she has probability-altering mutant powers. Powers. She, how coach. does she nullify? Coach. How does she nullify? She's a coach. Well, I think it's a field that's around her, so she would have to be actively in the game for her ability to affect the game. What about the Suicide <laughs> Squad? What would they? <laughs> what would they See, like, like that's those. That would be the team that I would actually be the most interested in following, or like DC side. Like if the Doom Patrol was the team, like that's the team <laughs> I would follow for sure. They would be awful, but they would be interesting. And, like every the day. Teen Titans would make a good basketball basketball team even just like the bat family have like all the robins would be one team but the teen titans would lose some members <laughs> yeah they'd lose one member yeah i guess like their leader right isn't yeah. robin the leader basically yeah yeah he's, he's the most popular leader. one all right so, well i feel like we solved nothing today but it was a fun conversation <laughs> you know what? and i like it that it wasn't a battle in any way we tried to make it a battle but that's not even the most interesting part of it it's like <laughs> Building but we're the teams. in the Videodrome. Yeah, we're sitting in the Videodrome. There's like traps going around. <laughs> it's like razor blades are moving and fire jets are going off. And That'd there's a, a pit of acid in the game. center. So and you guys can't just... see this, but Penguin's umbrella is like creeping up behind Carl right now. <laughs> to do what? Which which one? He's got like a... The white one. What does the white one do? We're going to find out. <laughs> <laughs> Rather, you're going to find out. Are, is this a tune in next time? kind of thing to Turn find out what time. happens next yeah. or is same bad time same bad channel we're gonna fade to black before we find out what happens we don't know tune in next time please subscribe rate and review the show follow us or reach out on instagram at nsf underscore network facebook's not safe for network page or email not safe for network podcast at gmail.com not safe for network was created and hosted by carl Borneman, brandon beardsley and alex small produced by alex small Subscribe to all the podcasts on our network. Season 3 of Movies with Wrestlers has Eric and Connor answering the question on everyone's mind. Who's better, The Rock or John Cena? Every week, a cosmic void has Jeremiah and Biggs deconstructing influential movies. Not Safe for Network examines the zeitgeist through rabbit holes, deep dives, interviews, and pop culture battles weekly. And if you need some classic TV talk, catch up on the previous three seasons of In Syndication.